It may distract you, and it may bother you, and that noise may drive you crazy. It does not bother me one bit. Oh, look, we got something coming back now. We're trying to figure it out. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and preach, and if that noise stops, so be it. If it doesn't stop, I don't care. Joey, if I don't need to have a mic, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Um, something is, is going nuts, and it is not happy about whatever's going on. So they'll try to troubleshoot that and figure it out, but we're going to continue doing what we're doing, all right? All right. That's all right. I, I promise you, this kind of stuff is just distractions that uh, the enemy tries to put between us because this is what I know. Today we're talking about peace, and there are some people in this room that need to experience peace in a real way. Some of you have never experienced the peace of Jesus Christ because you've never had a true encounter with Jesus Christ. And, and that's the reason that you don't know peace is because you don't know him. You don't know the Prince of Peace. So today we're talking about peace. See, we've been in this series called Encounter for quite a while. Um, I say quite a while, only a few weeks now. Um, and, and, and we talked about at the very beginning in Luke chapter 5, we talked about how the disciples, when they were first called by Jesus, Jesus performed a miracle by allowing fish to come into their nets and just about just wreck their boats because they were so overflowed with fish, right? And we talked about how when they recognized who Jesus was, they were very afraid. And Jesus said, I get it, okay? I get that you're afraid. And I think that he was trying to show them uh, to some level that there are going to be times as, as followers of Christ that they're going to be afraid. But this is what he said to him. He said, but you're going to be fishers of men. And that's going to be the most important thing in your life. Not whether or not you're afraid or not. The most important thing is going to be the fact that you are going to be now, you are going to be fishers of men. And we talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the very next week, God laid on my heart in the, in the five minutes before uh, we were supposed to start the first service that I was supposed to preach out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and talk to you about how we are ambassadors of Christ, how we carry the very words of God with us. And we talked about that, and we talked about the fact that that uh, even though that we're afraid, we are to be ambassadors of Christ and our very testimony about the places we're willing to go, the things we're willing to do in the name of Jesus Christ, that that speaks so loudly when it comes to people understanding the truth of the gospel, that that's part of our testimony, the fact that we're willing to go to tell people. And then we talked about Keith, as a matter of fact, uh, last Sunday, Matthew chapter 8, and he talked about the Roman centurion. You remember that? And the guy that when he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, he was marked with humility. And somebody that has an encounter with Jesus Christ is, is somebody that, that, that is marked with humility. And I'm telling you that, that what we're going to continue to talk about in this series on encounter is we're going to talk about how Jesus performed miracles. He did things in people's lives. And, and, and yes, he did that to prove that he was God, to prove that he was the Son of God. And that was the most important reason for those. But when people had a real encounter with Jesus Christ and they had their hearts really open to what God was saying, that they walked away marked in some way. They walked away with some kind of change that happened in their life. And I think that we have a lot of people in this world today that say they've had an encounter with Jesus Christ, but the evidence of their life is one where they're not really marked with a difference. They're not really changed as a result. And I would say, you really need to call that into question as whether or not you are a Christ follower or not. Because when you have an encounter with the Son of God, it changes you forever. You're not the same as you were before you met him. It's different. And today we're going to talk about a guy who has a kind of peace that surpasses everybody's understanding. 
And, and, and I, I want to talk to you today about that peace and how he came to that peace and because of his encounter with Jesus Christ, how he was a recipient of peace and how it changed everything about him. I, I, I told you guys last uh, Sunday, if you were here, that uh, I actually traveled for my work two weeks ago. And Keith, pre- Keith preached last uh, Sunday because I was kind of wiped out and he was prepared. So I said, hey, you do this message. So he was ready to go. He preached, did a wonderful job. I, I traveled to Vienna, Austria, and Munich, Germany. Now, I don't know if you've ever traveled for a very long distance, but yes, the jet lag messes with you some. But even if you've traveled a very short distance, I can tell you that it is kind of like an uneasy feeling for me anytime I'm staying in a hotel somewhere. I, I, it's not a peaceful rest at all. Um, I, I, I travel quite a bit for work, so um, there, there are times when I, I just get no sleep at all in a hotel bed. And they're Look, the Marriott's have very nice beds. I mean, they, they tout that on their website. You can go look at it. They, we have very nice beds. You should come stay in our beds. But I can't sleep there because there's no place like home. Am I right? There's no place like being in your own bed. Isn't that what everybody says when they go on vacation? I can't wait to get home and get in my own bed, right? There is something super-duper peaceful about being at home. Well, I had some trouble on my trip, and I told you a little bit about this last week, and that is when I got to Vienna, Austria, I had a little bit of a tight connection through Frankfurt, Germany, and my bags didn't make it onto the flight, okay? So, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, thank you, Dana. Uh, That's exactly what I said. So my bags didn't make it onto the flight, but the good news is the distance from Frankfurt, Germany to Vienna, Austria is pretty short, so they got my bags there to me about four hours later. About four o'clock in the afternoon, my bags showed up at my hotel. Praise Jesus, I didn't want to be in Vienna, Austria, and Munich, Germany without any clothes for a week. That would really stink. But anyway, so that was good. But I was a little frustrated with the airlines. I came back, and the same stinking thing happened. I had a tight connection in Frankfurt, Germany, and my bags didn't make it back with me. And I'd been talking to Germans all week long, and now I got to talk to another German by going to the, uh, to the baggage, lost baggage place and talk to him about the fact that uh, my baggage was lost again, and I didn't have my bags. And he holds up a piece of paper and says, oh, yeah, we knew that. Here's your piece of paper to say that your bags will be here tomorrow or whatever. I was like, how long would I have stood at that carousel waiting for my bags to come off of there? You know what I mean? I'd have just been standing there like this. Waiting, you know. But the whole time, they knew they had my bag somewhere. It was still in Frankfurt, Germany. Anyway, so this is me complaining. I get to, I get, Lufwanza gets to keep my bags. I get to uh, complain about Lufwanza. That's the way this works. So anyway, so um, I've just been dealing with Germans all week long. I've been dealing with the German airline. Now I'm dealing with the German lost baggage guy. And and, and I'm like, I just want to be home. I just want to be home, y'all. I just want to be back in the South. So I get to the shuttle bus, and you heard me say this last week. I get to the shuttle bus, and, and I'm talking to the guy, making sure this is a place I'm supposed to be, getting on the right shuttle bus, because last thing I want is to go somewhere else and where I'm supposed to. I want to just go, go to my car. You need to take me to my car. So anyway, so the guy, he looks at me, and he goes, he goes, yeah, yeah, this is it. Y'all go and get on the bus. I'm fitting to leave. I'm like, yes, I am back in the United States of America. Yeah. Y'all go on, get on the bus, I'm fitting to leave. I was like, yes, I can understand that. That sounds a lot better than German. You know what I mean? Like, I get that, man. I can connect with that. There's no place like home. There really isn't. And and let me tell you something. If you're not a Christ follower, oh, I don't know how you survive. I really don't. If you're like trying to, to feel this whole Jesus thing out and you're like, I don't know, I don't know, you know, like... How do, you, how do you live thinking that this is the end of your existence right here, that this is all we have? I, I, I don't get that. 
It, that would scare the mess out of me if I thought, well, this is it, man. Once this is over, I'm done. I, you know, just, yeah, I go live in the grave somewhere, you know, the worms eat me and that's it. I mean, like, I don't know how people survive with that mentality. You know, I've talked to many atheists or agnostics, and they're just like, man, you just become worm feast, and that's it. You know, I'm like, I don't, dude, I don't, that would be a terrible tragedy. You know what I mean? If this was my final home, if this was it, if this is all I had to look forward to. But you know what the reality is? The reality is, is sometimes I forget that I have another home. Sometimes I forget that this is not the place where I will be for all of eternity, and and I get weighed down by the junk in this world, and I get distracted by all the other stuff that kind of presses in on me. You know what I'm talking about? The, the, the death of a loved one, the hurt, the heartache, broken relationships, you know, people that, that, that just are constantly saying stuff about me, all that kind of stuff. Man, it weighs on you, and you forget that that peace comes from Jesus Christ, and he is the source of your peace, and because he has given you a new home, you have real peace, man. And we forget that sometimes. So my prayer to you today is that you remember that peace, that as God speaks to you through his word, that you remember that Jesus Christ is the source of that peace. So today, we're going to be looking in Mark chapter 5 at a guy who has an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he experiences real peace. This guy is in turmoil. I mean, in the purest sense of the word, he's a wreck, okay? In Mark chapter 5, we see this. So they arrived to the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. Now, this is the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus has been in a boat. He's been teaching on the other side. He comes across to this side. It's early in the morning. He has an encounter with a dude. Let's look at what this guy has to say. So Jesus climbed out of the boat. A man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. Now, I don't know about you, but in the early morning, if I've been traveling all night, the last person I want to see is a dude rolling out of the cemetery. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know. You know, he's possessed and he's coming out of a cemetery. Probably not the best wake-up call in the world, but this is how Jesus' life is. So this guy, he's possessed by evil spirits. Now, I want you to understand something, that the demon possession is a real thing. And the reason I know that it's a real thing, because that's what God's word says, that demon possession is a real thing. Now, I want you to understand that, 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 that people, we don't, we don't see as much of it, I think, in, in this world. But I think that based on what I have seen and what I have experienced, that it is far more likely to encounter in some of the more isolated places of the world. Some places where they don't have a lot of the... Uh, you know, I don't know how to describe what I'm saying, but, but some of the more rural places in the world where they're more, uh, they're more uh, dominated by witchcraft and stuff like that. And I believe demon possession is one of the ways that Satan uses to distract people and get them away from the truth of God. And I believe that demon possession is a real thing. And you'll hear lots of stories from people that come back from Africa or remote villages or what have you, and they'll talk about having seen and experienced people that have demon possession. And I believe that it's a real thing. I really do. Um, I believe that it's something that, that happens in this world. And as we look at this guy and some of the stuff that he did, you might look at this and say, well, I wonder if some of the things that I've seen in my life and around me and people that I've encountered, I wonder if that's not demon possession. And maybe it is. Maybe we don't give credit enough to the fact that there are spiritual forces in dark places that exist in places we can't see, and they're constantly at work doing stuff and trying to distract us from the truth of God. It says this man lived in the cemetery, right? And it says this... This man lived 
among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained. Even with a chain, whenever he was put into chains and shackles, he was, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and, sna- and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Now, I have to pause there, and I'm going to go to the end of that verse, and then I'm going to go back, and we're going to talk about some of the other things. He cut himself with sharp stones. Now, I don't want us to, to miss this. I believe with my whole heart that there are people in this room that have experienced what we're talking about here. That there are people that cut themselves probably within this room. It's a real thing. And people really deal with this. Some of us have experienced it. Some of us have been through that. Some of us are going through that right now. And it's a serious thing. I've talked with so many people that have done this and they've hurt themselves that I, I believe that it, it's, it's more prevalent than what we talk about in church. I believe it, it's a real thing, y'all. And I believe there's a lot of people that struggle with it. Now, the only thing that I've been able to, to grasp from people that I've counseled with that, that struggle with this is that the reason that they cut themselves is because they can control the pain. It's a way for them to exercise control in their life. They feel like everything else in their life is out of control. So by cutting themselves, they can control when the pain starts and when the pain stops. And nothing else in their life can they do that. They can't control when the pain starts and when the pain stops, but they can do that when they're cutting themselves. And I'm telling you, there are people that struggle with this every single day, and you don't even know it. I have a word for you if you're one of those people that that struggle with that. There's a place you can go. There's a person you can go to. His name is Jesus Christ, and he's the only place that you'll find peace. He's the only place that you'll find a way out. He's the only place that you'll you'll be able to find some relief, some way to to stop the pain. He's the only way. Sometimes we forget that, that, because, that we have another home someplace else and he is the, the one that has given us that home and, and he is the source of our peace. Sometimes we forget that. But let me tell you something. He's still the source of the peace. Even if you've forgotten it, he's still the source of the peace. And if you don't know that peace because you don't know him, you can know him. That he, he wants to know you and love you more than you want to know and love him. Did you know that about him? That Jesus Christ desires a relationship with you more than you desire a relationship with him. And he wants to be the source of your peace. He wants to be the one that helps you. He wants to be who you rely on. And yet we go everywhere else in the world searching for that peace, trying to find some other place to get it. And Jesus Christ is the only answer. And this man is about to find that out. Now, what you see here is is this man living amongst the tombs, living in the burial caves, and he's running around howling at night and and doing all kinds of of stuff, smashing chains that are put on his wrists and ankles and all this kind of stuff, right? If we were to see that today, we would probably call that some sort of mental illness, would we not? That's probably the way we would categorize it. It looks like mental illness to us. Do I think that there are some times when we say that something is mental illness when in reality it may very well be the work of a, a demon on somebody? Because it, demons can affect people physically, and they can certainly affect their minds. 
And I know that because the Bible tells me that and the Bible shows me that, perfect examples of that. Now, am I saying that every single time we see somebody with something going on with them mentally, there's demon possession? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is we don't give enough credit to the fact that it could very well be demon possession. That's what we see right here in this man, that, that he's doing some very strange, very odd things. And he's having an encounter with Jesus. Jesus got out of a boat just now. And he comes running up to Jesus. And we're going to see what happens to this man right here. When Jesus was still at some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, and he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? Can I tell you something? That the demon, the demons recognized who Jesus was. Even from a distance. When they heard Jesus say, you're coming out of this man today. They were terrified because they knew who Jesus was. And they knew that he was the son of the most high God. And they are terrified about the fact that Jesus is saying, something's going to happen to you today, and things are going to change for this man today. And this man is now walking away today the same way he walked up to me. Things are about to change. And Jesus gives an invitation. Now, I say this all the time, and I'll say it again. Anytime Jesus or God asks a question in the Bible, he's giving an invitation. And here, Jesus says this. He says, you know who I am. I'm asking you who you are. You know that I'm Jesus, the son of the most high God. Who are you? Who are you? He's given an invitation for the demons to say, this is me talking, this is not this man talking, and Jesus already knows that. Let's look what happens here. And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man, the evil spirits begged him, Again and again, not to send them out to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into the pigs, the spirits beg. Let us enter them. So here, these evil spirits are indwelling in this man. They've been, had an encounter with Jesus. They recognize who Jesus is. And now they know that they've got to go away. That Jesus is not going to allow them to stay in his presence. You know why? Because darkness and light don't exist in the same space. Right? If we were to cut out all the, li all the lights in here and it was completely dark and I were to hold up a candle, you'd be able to see it from everywhere because you cannot get rid of the light with darkness. Right? So the light has a, the ability to penetrate the darkness. Now why, why is that important to us? Because some of us get consumed by the darkness. Some of us get overwhelmed by the pressures and the difficulties of this life, the heartache of this life, the struggles of this life. And we feel like the darkness is crushing in around us. We feel like it's pressing in around us on every side. And we're being consumed by darkness. If you feel that way, if you feel like you're being consumed by the darkness, and you know what I'm talking about, you know what it is that you think about when you lay there at night and you think about what's going on in my life, you know what that feels like. If you feel that way, 
I want to encourage you to do something. Be in the presence of other believers. Be in the presence of the light. Be in the presence of other people that can show you that Jesus Christ is the true light of the world. That he is the one that rules and reigns every single thing that happens in your life. You see, we're not supposed to stay away from each other. We need each other. I need you just like you need me. And I'm telling you, man, we we come into this place because we need each other. Because we feel like the darkness is crushing in all around us. And and we need to be in the presence of other believers. So when their light's shining brightly in their life, they they can pour into us and show us, man, you have that light. You've got the light of Jesus Christ living within you. Don't forget that. Don't miss that. You've forgotten it just a little bit. And you need to remember who God is and what he is doing and the fact that he is in control. And you need to be in the presence of other believers. You see, here's, here's, here's the thing. People ask me all the time, I don't need to go to church in order to be able to, to love Jesus. You're right. You don't. You don't. You can love Jesus. You stay at home and love Jesus all you want to. But see, here's the problem. When something bad happens in your life, you're going you're gonna to need everybody else in here. You're going to need other people to pour into you. You're going to need other people to hug your neck and tell you it's going to be all right and tell you that Jesus loves you. You're going to need that. And you're going to want to come back in here and you're going to want to hear that God loves you and you're going to want to be in the presence of other believers when things get really bad for you, when things are not so good in your life. You're going to want that. Well, imagine if everybody just came when something got bad. Imagine what that would look like. Would we be able to pour into each other? No, you just have a room full of people that's got bad stuff going on in their life and they wouldn't, they wouldn't feel like they were ready to pour into anybody. They were needing to be in the fellowship of other believers, people that are in a good place in their life and people that have their light shining brightly for Jesus Christ and they need somebody to pour into them. That's why we come together for this purpose. We need each other because you may be having a bad day and I may be having a good day and if we come together, man, we can lift each other up and we can say that Jesus Christ is the source of that peace. Jesus Christ is the source of that peace, and we need him. And here, these demons are terrified because he's light, and they're darkness. And they're no, they know that they're going to have to get away from the light, and they're going to have to go a long way away. So they just say to Jesus, hey, put us in those pigs over there. Now, pigs are considered an unclean animal in this day and time. We don't really consider them unclean now because of the book of Acts. You should go read that. But... Um, we, we like pigs, actually. We're having a Boston butt sale. Uh, so if you want to <laughs> buy one of those, you can uh, see one of our guys after the service. But anyway, I'll announce that at the end of the service. But anyway, so pigs are considered to be unclean animals. And uh, they, 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 they're like, Jesus just cast us into the unclean animals. So look what happens. Look what, look what Jesus does. So Jesus, verse 13, so Jesus gave them permission. Jesus gave them permission. He allowed them to. You know why? Because Jesus has authority, that he's in control of every single thing that happens. And in your life, when you feel like things are out of control and you feel like your prayers are going unanswered and you feel like you're just crying out to God and it's it's falling on deaf ears and he doesn't listen to you and he never does what you want to do, I promise you that Jesus Christ is in control and he knows exactly what's going on in your life. And nothing happens apart from the sovereign hand of God. And though you think God may not be in the situation, I promise you that he is and he's at work. 
Now, does sometimes does God allow bad things to happen in your life? Does he allow you to make your own choices and allow you to, to dig your own grave sometimes, so to speak? Absolutely, he does. Things like drug and alcohol, drugs and alcohol are a perfect example of that. That God will allow you to dig yourself in a hole and things get worse and worse and worse. Why? For the sole purpose of you getting at that rock bottom place where you recognize that Jesus Christ is what you need. That the drugs and the alcohol won't fulfill you. They won't sustain you. That only Jesus Christ will. That's his ultimate purpose. That's why he allows you to get to that place. You've heard all the cliches over and over again. How I had to get to the rock bottom to realize that Jesus is the rock at the bottom. You know what I'm saying? And that's the way Jesus allows us to do things sometimes. But he's still in control. He's still in control. That family member that you, you feel like, you know, why doesn't God answer my prayer? I just want them to be healed. I just want them to be better. He's in control. That relationship that's broken and you feel like it's never going to be repaired that you feel like that it's too far gone and nothing good's ever going to come out of that, he's in control. That son or daughter you don't have a relationship with anymore and you feel like they've just gone away and they're never coming back, he's in control. Do you know why you should have peace in your life? Because Jesus is in control and he demonstrates that here by having control of the spiritual powers of this earth. And he says, he allowed the demons to go into the pigs. Jesus is in control, and because Jesus is in control, you should have peace. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. It's a waste of some good Boston buns right there. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and surrounded the countryside. Spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. The crowd soon gathered around Jesus. They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and, and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. What? So they knew this guy. The people of the town knew about the guy that lived in the cemetery. He was screaming all night and he's crying out and cutting himself and breaking chains and all that. They were probably some of the people that put him in the chains to begin with, right? So the people of the town know who he is. They know how he used to be tormented in his soul. And now he's sitting there fully clothed, he's acting perfectly sane, having conversations with the townspeople, probably just sitting there acting like a normal person. And they go, I know that guy. And he's had an encounter with Jesus and now he's so different. Now he has peace in his soul. What is so different? And it says that they were afraid. They were afraid. They saw that this guy was normal now, and it freaked him out. I want to tell you something about your life, and if you have an encounter with Jesus Christ. There are times when you try to tell people, look, I am different now as a result of my encounter with Jesus Christ. I have a peace that I didn't have before. I used to worry about things, and I don't worry about those anymore. I used to have things that, that I, I trusted in, like drugs and alcohol. I don't really trust in those so much anymore. I, I, I used to have things that, that, that I used to want to do. I don't want to do those things anymore. And when people see that change in your life, it doesn't encourage them to run towards Jesus. Instead, it encourages them to run away from Jesus because they don't understand. Do you know that when Jesus was on the earth and he did things like this, that they would accuse Jesus of consorting with demons? That he was the chief demon, as a matter of fact. And they would say that, well... He must be consorting with the demons. That's how he was able to do this. 
Instead of recognizing the fact that he was God, which is right there in their face, instead what they would do is say, well, he must be of the devil then. That's the only way he'd be able to do that. He's just trying to trick us. I want to tell you that people do this all the time, y'all. It's serious. And people come in here every single Sunday. Every si- there'll be somebody come in here. They'll hear the truth of God. The Holy Spirit of God will speak directly to their hearts. And they'll be afraid. They'll be afraid to recognize the fact that he's God and the fact that he's the source of the peace. And they'll be afraid and they'll walk right out the door never having surrendered to the peace and never having accepted the peace that was so freely offered to them because they're afraid. And here you see that exact same thing happening. God has walked the earth, gotten out of a boat, encountered a man that was demon-possessed, screaming, crying out, running around naked, living in the cemetery, cutting himself, breaking his shackles, and now he's walking around sane and normal, and people, instead of rejoicing in the fact that God has done something great in his life, what they have done instead is they just said they were afraid. And look what else they did. Look what else it says that they did. It says they were afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. They got firsthand testimony from people who said, I was here... The demon-possessed man was crying out with another voice possessed by many demons. Jesus told them to leave. They asked to go into the pigs. He said they could. They They went into the pigs. The pigs ran down the hill and drowned. And here, this man sits, normal, insane, fully clothed, ready to go. And they would say, Jesus, get away from me. And you say, that's a tragedy. These people missed that this day, that Jesus was sitting right there. The Son of God was right there in their face. And that is such a tragedy that they missed that. Do you know that Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit is in this place? And people walk away every single week. And they say, no, no, no. There's no telling what might happen to me if I surrender to that that kind of power. It must be some kind of trick. These people must be under some kind of mass delusion. I'm too afraid to say yes to Jesus Christ. And because of that, they walk away with no peace. And then you know what happens is they, they, they live with no peace. And they wonder why they have no peace. And I can't get it. I don't understand why I have no peace. And the whole time, Jesus was sitting right there in front of them, inviting them to come and have the peace. And they were too afraid. These people say, get away from us, Jesus. Get away from us. Leave us alone. It happens every Sunday. As Jesus, so he did what they said, actually. Look, it says, as Jesus was sitting, was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Everybody else wanted him to go away except for the man who had been changed, the man who had the peace. And it says, but Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for them and done for him and every, everyone was amazed at what he told them so here's, here's the lesson to be learned from that little piece right there and that is that, that this man he just encountered peace in the living form in the person of Jesus Christ and, and Jesus had given him this peace and now his whole life was transformed his home had been in the tombs and now Jesus is telling him go home to your family you've got a new home now your life is different now 
Everything about you is different now. And this guy, I'm sure he was like, I just want to be with Jesus. Wherever he goes, that's where I want to be. I just want to be close to him. And I understand that mentality. I really do. I, I mean, if Jesus was walking around this earth, it would be very hard for me to go, yeah, go ahead, Jesus. I'll catch up with you later. I would be chasing the dude down. You know what I'm saying? Like, this Jesus. I, I want to be close to him. Wherever he goes, I want to go. But Jesus says this. He says, no, there's work to do. You, you can't just hang by my side the whole time. You've got to go do some other stuff, man. This peace that you've got instilled in your heart now, you've got to go tell some other people about that. There are other people that need the peace that you've got, and you need that now. They need that now, so you need to go do that now. Once again, be an ambassador for Christ. Once again, that, that you carry the light inside of you, so other people need to see that light. Other people need to experience that light. They need to experience the peace that you've got. They need that. As much as you want to be right beside me, walking around with me, you've got a job to do because other people need this peace. Other people need this peace. I want to tell you my own personal story for just a second, and it's about peace. So most of you know that, that my daughter died at the age of eight years old. She passed away from cancer. Some of you know that. Some of you don't, okay? Towards the end of her life, it got really, really bad. Um, we had a lot of good days for the 15 months that she battled cancer, but there towards the end, she got to the point where she couldn't speak. She couldn't open her eyes. Um, all she could do was really lay there, and that was the last few days of her life. You see, what had happened was uh, the tumors in her spine and in her brain had, had pressed in on the, the fluid in her spine so much so that it was suppressing all of her brain activity and it was just a really tough thing for us to sit there and watch her lay in the bed and, and she really couldn't do anything, right? Well, what they did was they did a spinal tap. They wanted to test her spinal fluid and see if it would help to relieve some of the pressure. They drew out some of the spinal fluid and they told us, although we didn't get to hear her say it, um, they told us that she cried out, Daddy, once uh, she had a split second where her brain could function normally again, she opened her eyes and she cried out, Daddy. Now, apart from Jesus Christ, that's torture. That's torture. But with Jesus Christ, that's peace. And the reason it's peace is this, is I'll tell you, this is not my home. This is not my eternal home. This is not her eternal home. You see, the chaplain, he brought in some stones to me while I was by myself. And he said, which one of these do you want? And each one of them had, had words written on them. Some had hope and different faith and different things. One of them had peace, and I picked that one. I said, this is what my family needs most right now. This is what I pray for is peace. And he said, that's funny. He said, I had, two, I had this handful of stones, and only two of them were the same. And peace was the one that two of them were the same. He said, you know which one your wife picked? Peace. Peace. I'm telling you right now, you cannot find that apart from Jesus Christ. You can search high and low. You can look at the highest mountaintop or the lowest valley. You can try every drug. You can try as much alcohol as you want. You will not find peace. You will only find it in Jesus Christ. 
And when my daughter was dying, and she took her last breath, and we prayed over her body, I thank God for the peace that he gave her and he gave us. And on her tombstone is written, Thy faith has made thee well. Go in peace. And the only reason that we have any kind of peace whatsoever is because of Jesus Christ. And that tombstone is not where she is. Her home is in a different place now. If you are looking for peace in your life, you can only find it in Jesus Christ. An encounter with Jesus Christ, a real encounter with Jesus Christ where you give him everything. You say, I trust you with everything in my life. The stuff I used to care about, it doesn't matter to me anymore. All that matters is you. That's the only place you're going to be able to find peace. Some of you have never committed your life to him. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you have to go through life that way. It, I, I weep at night for you because you're trying to find it someplace else. And I am so sorry that you think it can be found somewhere else. I will continue to stand up here and tell you every single Sunday that you can only find it in Jesus Christ. I promise you that. I'll do that. And then there's some of you that are struggling. You're hurting because you got a lot of darkness pressing in around you. You've got a lot of heartache that's built up. And you've forgotten that Jesus is the source of the peace. You, you, you may have given your life to Jesus and you have a relationship with him, but you've just forgotten. My prayer for you today is that you will come to this altar and you will lay that heartache down at this altar and you will let it die and you will say, God, give me peace that only you can. I trust you and you alone for the source of my peace and God, I can't find it apart from you. Remind me of who you are. Remind me of your power and your sovereign hand over every single thing that I, I go through. Give me peace. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much, God, for the peace that only you can provide. I know that there are so many people in this world that are hurting. There are so many people in this room, God, they're brokenhearted for one reason or another. God, they've forgotten that you were the peacekeeper, that you were the prince of peace. So, Lord, I just pray that today, God, they might draw close to you. They might just lean into you right now. I know how difficult it is to love, love somebody so much and lose them to cancer or whatever the case may be for so many people. Lord, I know how much it hurts to have broken relationships and think that the people that we love don't love us. God, it's, it's a difficult world that we live in and as the darkness presses in all around us, I pray that we would look for only peace in only one place and that would be in your son, Jesus Christ. This man was being tortured in his soul and that was because he had not had an encounter with you. But when he had an encounter with you, everything changed. And God, I believe that, that people can experience the same thing here today. That they can have a real encounter with you and everything in their life can change. God, you've given them an invitation to come. God, I just pray that they would, they would do that. God, I know that you want a relationship with them even more than they want a relationship with you. God, I just pray that you would open their eyes and open their hearts. God, that you would squash their pride so they might not be afraid and that they would just come. That they would just come. Lord, we need you. We desperately need you. I pray that that would be the confession of our heart right now as we come. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone, please stand.